Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor's Study. Well, we've had a lot of people send in their Bible questions, and so many, in fact, that we're going to do the whole show just answering your Bible questions today. So I always like to pray before we start, so would you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, we ask you now to give us wisdom. People have all kinds of good questions, and we pray, Lord, that your Bible will now speak to each of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. First question that we're going to tackle here. When did the Jews quit their daily sacrifices? Well, as you know, uh, about 13, 1400 BC, Moses leads the people out of Egypt uh, into, toward the Promised Land. And eventually God gave Moses orders on how to do daily sacrifices. Then during the history of Israel, sometimes they would do the daily sacrifices, sometimes they'd fall away and worship Baal instead, but then they got back to doing the sacrifices, and about 70 AD, actually exactly in 70 AD, is when the Romans came in and destroyed the Jewish temple. There have been no sacrifices since 70 AD. And then this person asks, will the Jews restart sacrifices? Well, some Christians understand the Bible to teach that the Jews, before the end, will rebuild their temple and the Antichrist will come and the Jews will start doing sacrifices again. Others Christians understand the Bible teaching that Jesus is the sacrifice now. We don't need to kill lambs anymore, so they believe that there won't be any more sacrifices again. This is one of those questions, I think, We'll find out when we find out. <laughs> if the Jews start doing sacrifices again, it won't be for their salvation. Christ is the ultimate final sacrifice, but that doesn't mean it couldn't happen and then God will bring in the end. I don't know how to answer that last one. Next, you said in your sermon that the Bible teaches no one knows when Jesus will come back, but didn't Jesus give us signs and also Daniel to look for. Well, yes, he did. He said certain things are going to happen. All the nations will hear the gospel, and then certain things will happen. So, yeah, there are signs, but Jesus said of that day or hour, no one knows. So I think we'll know that we're in the very end, but exactly the timing of the very end is only for the Lord to know. Another question, when Israel signs a peace treaty, is that a sign of the end? Well, again, there are some Christians who think the Antichrist comes and then the Jews sign a peace treaty. And, and, and some of that is them, I think, being way too specific. Just think of this. Look how wrong we got the first coming of Christ. No one expected when Jesus came to earth the first time for him to be born in a manger and suffer on a cross. They weren't looking for that kind of Messiah. Well, I do think there are signs in the Bible of what's going to happen before Christ returns, but don't get too specific that, you know, some people think that halfway through the tribulation, the Jews are going to sign, you know, eh, all that I think is way too iffy. Just cling to the basics. Christ is coming back. 
Uh, here's the next question. Pastor Brock, would you please do a program on the rapture, 1 Thessalonians 4, 14 through 17? Well, here's where you're maybe going to disagree with me. I do believe in the rapture. The word rapture means caught up. But I think we're caught up when Jesus comes down at the second coming. A lot of Christians believe that seven years before Christ returns, all the Christians disappear and get caught up. That's not the way I read 1 Thessalonians 4. Let me read it for you. 1 Thessalonians 4, starting at verse 14, uh, verse 15. I say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. In other words, if Christ comes down right now, the dead are going to be raised. They're coming with us. Uh, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. They'll come up first. Then we who are alive shall re- and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Notice, we're caught up when Jesus comes down, not seven years before he comes down. Next question. If a baby dies and is not baptized because of the parent's neglect, is that child in a state of grace? Well, I'm going to give you a Lutheran answer to this. Uh, Lutherans, Catholics, Methodists, Presbyterians all baptize infants because we believe we're all born in sin. It's called original sin, so we need to have our sins washed off even as infants. Baptists and most evangelicals uh, believe in adult baptism only. But let's say that you die before you're baptized. Can you be saved? Well... Baptism is a very big deal in the New Testament. When people got saved in the New Testament, they got baptized. But there was an exception, the thief on the cross, and he turned to Christ in his last breath, and we know he went to heaven because Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. I believe, had, he been a- had the thief on the cross been able to come down from the cross, he'd have gotten baptized. So uh, uh, my response is God can make whatever exceptions he wants, but the norm is, you get baptized. So if you haven't been baptized, I encourage you to find a good church and say, Pastor, time for me to be baptized. Next question. Are there degrees in the lake of fire, degrees of punishment? Well, let me read this to you from Luke chapter 12, verse 47. Jesus said, The slave that knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accordance with his will shall receive many lashes. But the slave who did not know it and committed deeds worthy of a flocking shall receive but few. And that looks like there are degrees of punishment in hell. I think there are degrees of reward in heaven. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul talks about these two Christians who have Christ. They're both saved. But one builds upon his life with beautiful things. One, not so much. They both go into heaven. But one goes in with great reward and the other doesn't. So I think there are varying degrees of reward in heaven and in hell. 1 Corinthians 3. Next question. Can a snake talk like the snake talked to Eve? Well, the snake ultimately was the devil there. But the devil spoke through a snake. And if you know the Old Testament, Balaam's donkey... God spoke through Balaam's donkey to Balaam. So God can do these supernatural things. It doesn't mean that a snake or a donkey have mental capabilities like we do, but these were miracles. So yes. 
Next question. After the rapture, many animals will suffer since their owners will disappear. Is that true? <laughs> Again, a, a, a very popular American belief is that all of a sudden, all the Christians will vanish from the earth. And then for seven years is tribulation, and then Jesus comes back. My belief is we're, Christians are here till the bitter end. We go through the tribulation, and then Christ comes back, and then we're raptured, not seven years earlier. So I don't think your pets are going to miss you because you're, you're going to go up when Christ comes down. Which leads to the next question. Does the Bible say anything about our pets going to heaven? And the, the answer is the Bible doesn't say anything. Will you see your dog or your cat in heaven? I'm going to be honest. I kind of doubt it because they're not humans with eternal souls. The Bible does talk about cherubim and seraphim being in heaven. And, and so, you know, there's these other creatures that, you know, I, I, uh, I just think we leave that one in God's hands. And honestly, if you don't see your dog in heaven, you're not going to care. You're going to be so gloriously happy that you're not going to admit Miss Mitzi. <laughs> Next. I'm not a Catholic and I do not believe in many of their religious beliefs. However, I like the thought of making the sign of the cross when I pray. Is that wrong for me to do? And my answer is no. I, I, you don't have to do this, but nothing's wrong with doing this. Sometimes it just comforts me to make the sign of the cross, just the, or reminding myself that I am redeemed through the cross of Christ. So it's nowhere mandated in the Bible but it's nowhere forbidden either. So I think it's fine if you want to do it. Uh, l let me, I'm in Lutheran, just people think I'm Catholic, I'm a Lutheran. Lutherans wear these too. And sometimes you see, I, I have, I took this down off my, my wall to bring this. This is a crucifix. Now some people think, well, we shouldn't have a crucifix in our, in our house because Jesus isn't on the cross anymore. He's risen from the dead. Well, of course he is. I know that, Catholics know that. I just like a crucifix on my wall and it's not because I think Jesus is still on the crucifix. It's the reminder of what he did for me on the cross. So that's not wrong either. Again, there's nothing in the Bible that says you must have a cross on your wall. But there's nothing that says you can't. And to, to me, it's a comfort. So, you know, I could do a whole show on my problems with the Catholic Church. I don't believe in purgatory. I don't believe in indulgences. I think we're saved by grace alone. Don't try to add your good works to the finished work of Christ. I, I don't believe in praying to the saints. I believe Mary was a wonderful woman, but she wasn't sinless. And, and so I could do a whole show on Catholicism, but the Catholic Church does teach that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that he rose from the dead. And so we don't throw out everything. You know, Luther, who, Luther did not leave the Catholic Church. He was thrown out of the Catholic Church. When people say, well, Luther shouldn't have left the church. He should have stayed within. He couldn't. They put the ban of the empire on him. Anybody that found Luther could have killed him. Luther was thrown out of the Catholic Church. But Luther's view was not that we get rid of all church tradition. His view was you get rid of it if it's unbiblical. And if church tradition says you go to purgatory to get uh, your sins burned off for ages, when the Bible doesn't mention purgatory, then those are the things we throw off. If it's biblical, you keep it. If it's not biblical, you throw it off. Which leads to another question, Lent. Should we do Lent because Lent's not in the Bible? Lent is the, those 40 days before Easter where we meditate on Christ's suffering for our salvation. Is it in the Bible? No, it isn't. So uh, should we observe it? You don't have to. 
but light bulbs aren't in the Bible either, and most of us use light bulbs in our church, because something isn't in the Bible doesn't mean we need to throw it away. Again, quoting Luther here, you only throw away the teachings of the church that were corrupted through the years and find no basis in Scripture. So, I observe Lent, but you don't have to. Next. Do loved ones that have passed away know what's going on on earth? So my grandma and my mom and my dad and uh, the saints in heaven and Martin Luther and St. Thomas Aquinas, do these Christians up in heaven, are they able to look down on earth and see what's going on down here? Again, I don't think the Bible answers that one. I, I, I think the saints are in heaven are happy and some people think if they could see what's going on on earth, they wouldn't be happy anymore. But is there a clear teaching on scripture? I don't think there is. You do have the Mount of Transfiguration when Moses and Elijah come down and talk to Jesus on earth for that brief moment. But it doesn't say that they can see things down here. So that's one of the questions that I don't know the answer to. Um, next. Is participating in a yoga class the same as participating in the Hindu religion? Is it okay for Christians to do yoga? Well, now here's where you get to semantics. If, me, if you mean by yoga that you try to empty yourself out of everything and try to become one with God through yoga, then no, Christians should not do yoga. You don't chant a mantra over and over trying to become one with God because the way we become one with God is through faith in Christ. Now, I do stretching exercises, but I don't do yoga. And I, it bothers me when I pass a church and there's a big sign up in front, yoga class Monday night. I, you know, uh, stretching class, okay, but if you're, if you're doing yoga, yoga comes from Hinduism, and I would avoid it. Uh, this person asks, Pastor, you had a program where you taught that Christians will go through Judgment Day, but Jesus said in John 5.24 that those who believe in him will not pass into judgment. Why, why are you contradicting this? Well, the word judgment can also mean condemnation, and here's the way I understand it. Will Christians go through Judgment Day? We will. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Apostle Paul, oh, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 5.21, the Apostle Paul says, he's writing to Christians, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive according to what we've done in the body, whether good or bad. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. Yes, Christians have to go through judgment. Now, we won't be condemned. The word uh, in John 5.24, I think, means we won't enter into condemnation. We, we know that we're forgiven and saved during Judgment Day, but we still have to go through it and receive the varying rewards that the Apostle Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So, um, next question. Was Jesus both human and God at the same time? And the answer is yes. Uh, Christians believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man. So, uh, just to explain this, before Jesus was born on earth, he was only God with the Father and the Spirit. Then when he was born on earth, he became the God-man, fully God and fully man. Died on the cross, rose from the dead, he goes back into heaven. Do you know that Jesus is still fully God and fully man? Because when he returns in the clouds, he won't look like a horse or a cow. He'll look like a man because he's a glorified man, though. But yeah, you, you need to maintain this or you become a heretic. Jesus is fully God and he's fully man. He's always been God and he's been the God-man since Bethlehem.
Next. Does Satan know the future? Does Satan know God's plan for our lives, and can he try to thwart them? And I, th I think the, the person here was asking, you know, does God know that, no, excuse me, does the devil know that God wants Tom Brock to become a pastor when he's 25, and will, will the devil try to thwart that? Again, only God knows the future. Only God is what's called omniscient, all-knowing. So we don't want to give Satan too much credit. It never says that Satan knows everything like God does. But does Satan know certain things about the future? He might. I don't know because Satan does have supernatural knowledge. If you remember when Jesus was preaching in the synagogues, it was the demon-possessed people that said, Oh, I know who you are, Jesus. You're the Son of Holy One of God. And nobody else knew that yet, but the demons knew it. So Satan does have some supernatural knowledge. Does he know the future? I don't know. I don't know of a verse that says he does. He knows that his time is short, uh, and so he knows that he's going to get it in the end. So that much of the future he knows. But more specifics, I don't know. <laughs> Wish I had to answer some of these, uh, you know, but you know, it's okay to say I don't know. Paul the Apostle, who wrote much of the New Testament, said in 1 Corinthians 13, Now I know in part, then heaven I shall understand fully. So a lot of these questions, we're not going to know the answer until heaven. All right, next question. Does God ever allow marriage after divorce? The way I understand Matthew 18, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, if you're divorced, God would have you stay single or get reconciled to your spouse. I don't see anything in Matthew 18 or in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that says, or find somebody new and get married. Uh -uh. So, I mean, if, you're, if your prior spouse is dead, then I think you're free to marry. But if your prior spouse is alive, and even if he or she has remarried somebody else, I would just stay single for the Lord. And, and read 1 Corinthians 7. You can have a wonderful life being single for the Lord. So I, I would, if you're divorced, I would just encourage you, as long as your prior spouse is alive, just be single. Next. A lesbian couple invited my Christian daughter to their wedding. She says they are very nice people and is wondering should she attend? Well, I just had a long talk with a, a dear friend of mine who one of his children now is homosexual and, and invited him to the gay wedding. And I said, I wouldn't go. Well, yeah, but I want to show my son I love him. You're not showing him you love him by going. You're affirming what he's doing. If you really love your son, have a talk with him. Show him 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, where homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I said, I know it's going to be hard, but if you lovingly, humbly say, son, I love you, and I always will, but I can't attend this because I don't think it's a real marriage, and this is not God's will for you. If you do it lovingly and humbly, nobody can fault you. Now, he might get madder in a hornet, never talk to you again, but you didn't do anything wrong. And I, I really feel if you've been invited to a gay wedding, which does not exist in God's book, I would lovingly, humbly say, I can't go. Next. And, and you know, just I'll say, I went to a good Presbyterian church when I was on vacation. This is a good church. The pastor got up and he talked about he got invited to a, a lesbian wedding. So 
because I wanted to show them my love, I attended. I went up to him in between the services. I hope he changed his second sermon because I said, Pastor, I have same-sex attraction. That's been the struggle of my life. We should in no way encourage people to get into that behavior. And by going to the wedding, you're encouraging that. So there's a lot of confusion on this. Um, again, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, that's one of the places. There's Romans chapter 1 also that teach that homosexual behavior is wrong. Next, Pastor, what is legalism? I know it's supposed to be a bad thing, but is a church legalistic to warn against bad movies, alcohol, etc.? Well, legalism is a bad thing. Legalism teaches you're saved by your good works. And if it, the way you're saved in some churches is you don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't go to bad movies. I don't drink. Uh, sometimes I'll have a glass of wine, but I don't drink. I don't smoke. I try to stay away from most bad movies. And uh, so those, it's, it's good to stay away from that stuff, but that's not how you're saved. I know an old pastor who was asked, will heaven, will, will smoking keep me from heaven? And he would say, no, but it'll get you there quicker. <laughs> so I, you know, if you smoke, I, I'd give it up. Live longer, live happier. But what saves us is the death of Christ, not avoiding cigarettes or movies, etc. That's what legalism is. Um, next. Is the United Church of Christ a Christian church? Well, used to be. We used to be called the Congregational Church. Uh, some of its ancestors in the faith were people like Jonathan Edwards. You don't get more biblical than Jonathan Edwards. But if you've watched the show, you've heard me preach against the United Church of Christ, the ELCA Lutheran Church, the Presbyterian Church USA, the Disciples of Christ, and now the United Methodist Church and the Episcopal Church. These churches that used to be good biblical churches have gone over the cliff into liberalism, promoting universalism, everybody saved, promoting transgenderism, homosexuality, abortion rights. So is the United Church of Christ a Christian church? That's like saying, is the ELCA Lutheran Church, the Episcopal Church, a Christian church? They used to be. I used to be part of the ELCA for many years. Finally, we could take it no more. There are good biblical options for you. If you're a, a, a Presbyterian, you leave the PCUSA and you join the Presbyterian Church in America. If you're a Lutheran, ELCA Lutheran, you leave that for either the Free Lutherans or the Missouri Synod Lutherans or other options. You don't. You can stay a Lutheran, but you don't have to be ELCA Lutheran. So I would. Are there Christian people in these liberal denominations? I believe there are. I believe there are Christian pastors in these denominations. But as I wrote, one pastor was taking me to task for this, and I, he says I'm a conservative and I'm in the ELCA. I said, okay, I don't doubt that, but why on earth would you not lead your congregation into a more biblical denomination? So, um, next. Were you saying in a previous program that it is wrong for Christians to retire? Well, no, but we can always do something for the Lord. I think it's fine to quit your job, retire from your job, but make sure you find something to do in your golden years to serve the Lord. You know, join a prayer ministry or Bible study or, 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 or uh, you know, do some sewing for your church or, or, or for the mission. And so just find some, make sure, you know, you've got these golden years with all your free time. Make sure you're not blowing it and wasting the most important years. Find something to do to serve the Lord. Next, my memory is getting bad. I think this is an older Christian. 
and I'm wondering if God doesn't want me anymore. Well, of course he wants you. <laughs> the fact that you've got lumbago, bad memory, whatever, this is part of the fall. When Adam and Eve sinned, they brought on death and destruction on our planet. Part of the fall is you get old, you get arthritis, you lose your memory. This is part of the fall. Doesn't at all mean that God doesn't love you. It just means you're waiting for the, the new Adam, Jesus, to come and, and restore you to perfect health. That's, that's what, what you're looking at. Another question here. I have left the homosexual lifestyle and am now following Christ, but I'm wondering if it's realistic to no longer have sex. Do men become sick if they are celibate for a long time? Do they die earlier? I am wondering if I am harming myself. You know, I saw some study that married men live longer than single men, single men who are having sex outside of marriage. But you know who really lives long? Celibate people. <laughs> so no, the devil's lying to you, telling you you're going to die early if you don't have sex. Though according to the Bible, you've got two options. Heterosexual marriage, where you're married to somebody of the opposite sex and you have sex within marriage, or be single and celibate. That's true for everybody. If you're a heterosexual, if you've got homosexual inclinations, whatever it is, if you're single, you're, you're not to have sex. In fact, 1 Corinthians 6 says fornicators won't go to heaven. So if you're living with someone you're not married to, you need to repent of that and get out of that situation. Again, there's two options. For sex, you get married, you have sex in marriage, heterosexual marriage. Or number two, if you're single, you stay single for the Lord and you live celibate. And you know, I've been celibate my whole life. You can have a wonderful full life being single. I don't, you know, I'm glad I'm not having sex. I had somebody say once, you know, Tom, why don't you just follow your homosexual tendencies and, and, and go with it? And I, and I said, that this was on, on the radio. I said to the guy, I'd be dead. A lot of people that got into homosexuality that, that, that would be my age, they died in the 80s. So stay single, follow the Lord. If you're married, have sex in marriage. If you're not married, whether you're heterosexual, same-sex attraction, whatever your thought is or your thing is, wait until God brings either heterosexual marriage into your life or wait till the second coming and be single till the day you die. Christians have been doing this for 2,000 years. It's nothing new. There have been lots of Christians who have been single and celibate, and, and it's, it can be a wonderful, beautiful life. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 7 on this. Well, everybody, thank you for all those good questions. I think I got through almost all of them. Uh, you can uh, uh, go to our website, pastorstudy.org. We ask you to pray for our ministry. If the Lord nudges you to and support us, it costs a lot of money to put these shows on the air. So pray about supporting us. And we'll see you next time at The Pastor's Study. Thank you for watching The Pastor's Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by the pastor's study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the pastor's study. 
P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.